0: Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. It's brought to you by betonline.ag. It's your online sportsbook experts. Of course, they are the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use promo code Podcast One. You get that 50% sign up bonus today. But online.ag, my first rant or my first thought of the day is really tell you about my weekend. I know I've had fitness podcasts on here before to go along with business sports podcasts, all kind of in the same genre. And our first sponsor coming up will be MetPro, a fitness sponsor as well. Listen, <clears throat> I did something this weekend um, I've never done. It's sort of dawned on me that this is a business of sports issue because I went to triathlon camp where it was a volume training of biking, of running and swimming. I didn't do the swim. I'm not a swimmer, so I just do duathlons, run, bike, run, which are hard enough, at least for me. But this was interesting because for the great people getting together down in Florida, a house of 11 people and a coach and a guy that talked to us about uh, bike technique, a guy that talked to us about sports psychology and a woman that talked to us about sports nutrition and meal prep. But it really dawned on me that, that the, the difference between a normal training weekend and this was three days of really being a professional athlete, not a professional athlete, of being an athlete. And it struck me, the coach always referred to us as athletes, your athletes. And that's what we did. We basically exercised rested and recovered, exercised, rested and recovered, and exercised. And it was the first time in my life where you sort of realize, wow, this is what athletes do. It's all about rest, recovery, fuel, and performance. And this was sort of a unique opportunity to do this. And I I was sort of a last-minute add to a group that much more volume training than I do. And it was interesting when we went on a four-hour bike ride I was all in, pace line training. I was all good for about an hour 20. We hit a break and I came off that and I could not keep up with the group. I didn't have the endurance. I didn't have the ability to hold a pace past a certain time frame. And you really see that. So volume training is important for that. So it was really interesting to me. I did fine on the runs because the runs weren't a lot of volume. I did the 5k race when others did a half marathon race. So It's interesting to see all types of athletes, you see them, you see what they eat, what they drink, how they operate, and of course the coach was wonderful as well. This was something that was unique to me, and just sharing it with you, the idea of being an athlete, a full-time athlete for three days, and you really go into sort of what it takes, was a unique experience for me. Just thought I'd share that with you about my weekend and being a full-time athlete. And speaking of that, you have companies like MetPro, a sponsor here on the podcast. They're a proven platform. They help athletes like I just talked about full-time. Also, C-level executives, anyone that wants to improve their performance, personalized approach to obtaining goals, they really get into your individual metabolism. They're not guessing. They're going through data, and they identify the best nutrition, training strategy, etc., It's metabolic profiling, and it gets us all a baseline to see how our body's responding. Many people spend hours training every day, but they really don't know about nutrition. They get into that. Coaches are educated experts, empathetic with people that have busy schedules, stressful lives, not the kind of full-time athlete I was talking about that I had for three days. They work one-on-one with your ID, your goals, your response to diet, your metabolism, and make adjustments based on your goals and needs. So... Go to metpro.co slash BOS, business of sports. You want a hyperlink to Metro, metpro.co, BOS. Get your best performance, metpro.co. On to my first rant about the business of football this week. We talk about Antonio Brown. What's interesting to me is that so much is being said about him. It's nonstop. You turn on sports radio talking about Antonio Brown. He has gone full throat. Talking about Roethlisberger being an owner's rep, talking about meeting with owner Art Rooney and coming up with the idea that he's going to be traded, and Kevin Colbert, the GM of the Steelers, has said, "Yeah, they will engage in that." But I'm standing here on this lonely cliff saying he won't be traded. Two reasons: I keep going over him, 21 million in cap room. If he's gone, people say that's a wash because it's 22 million. If he stays, no, it's not a wash. One scenario: you have Antonio Brown the other scenario you don't, and whatever they can get for him. Ultimately, it's going to come down to figuring out what is the value for eating that cap room if they do, and the value to me has to be a first-round pick, and I don't think they're going to get that. Just think you look at this guy and your team out there, and everyone says the talent, oh, throw him on my team, throw him with my quarterback. Well, what about if he's mad at your quarterback after you're two and four after six weeks, and he's a problem in the locker room the same way he has evidently been in Pittsburgh while tolerated. I have people talk to the Patriots like, listen, what coach GM is going to sit around right now and say, you know what, we really need Antonio Brown in our locker room? No one. I know the field, the tantalizing talent is out there, but I just don't see it. I'm standing on this cliff alone. My feeling is we're not going to have a trade of Antonio Brown. He has almost worked to keep himself in Pittsburgh by devaluing trade value. They have not allowed Drew Rosenhaus' agent to shop around for trades. There's nothing out there that they're shopping for trades. It just has to be good value. And if they're calling people at Antonio Brown, the first question is, oh, I don't want to deal with that. How can we ensure he's not the person that he's appeared to be the last month on Twitter and social media? So good luck with that. That's my feeling about Antonio Brown. I just don't see it happening. And that's something that, you know, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. I'm out here alone saying he will not, will not be traded. Now, a word from Peter Millar. You know, I was never loyal to one brand of clothing. I'd open my closet, grab whatever's hanging there. Then I got my first Peter Millar performance sports shirt, total game changer. I wear one to work almost every day. They have the appearance of a classic cotton shirt, but they're designed from innovative tech fabric. It's very breathable. From the feel to look, Peter Millar is just better. Stitching buttons, zippers, attention to details. Sports shirt doesn't need to be dry cleaned. It's sports shirts, quarter zips. They all look great. I can go from work to dinner, feel great, look even better when wearing my Peter Millar. No matter what you're doing, if you're getting in and out of the car, if you're running to meetings, you're grabbing lunch with friends, going out at night, the shirts always feel comfortable. So, Head to petermillar.com slash business, all caps, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. Experience this quality for yourself. Pick up a few of these performance sports shirts in a multitude of colors, patterns, perfect for office, weekend, night out. While you're there, make sure some of the personal favorite styles that I like use my link to get a complimentary shipping and free hat. That's M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash business. petermillar.com slash business. My second rant of the week is going to be about the Kaepernick settlement. And I know a lot has been said about that. Listen, Colin Kaepernick and the NFL have settled this long-running collusion case. And here's what I want to say about it. I am more surprised that Colin Kaepernick settled no matter the money than I am the NFL settled. They were approaching discovery. And discovery was a problem for the NFL, not because there's a smoking gun. If there was a smoking gun, we would have heard about it. Mark Garagos, over a year ago, said, hey, get ready for the smoking gun. It never came. There's no smoking gun. There's no text, email, phone communication between, say, the Cowboys and the Giants or the or the Broncos and the Lions saying, oh, let's not sign this guy. No. So what was the NFL concerned about? Well, Discovery just brings out a lot of personal conversations that maybe they don't want out there, and it was time to settle. So I can see the lawyers going in front of the owners and saying, we don't have to worry about a smoking gun. Do we want to get rid of this? Okay, How much would we get rid of it for? We don't know the amount. Perhaps the amount is around $30 million, which would mean $1 million per team, which would mean every team is paying him like a third-string number to be their third-string quarterback without actually having to be the third-string quarterback for them. What I'm trying to say is owners were better off in their minds paying him than signing him. Think about that. They'd rather pay him than not play, than pay him to play. And that was clear to me. Now, whether it has an agreement by Kaepernick never to play again, or whether it doesn't, he's not playing the NFL again. And I've said all along, the actions of the NFL towards Kaepernick are A, punitive, and B, not collusive. Yes, they're punitive. Yes, they don't want to deal with him. Yes, he's a circus in their minds to play a backup position. But no, it's not collusion because the owners are careful, they have lawyers, and there's no collusion to prove. So, to me, if there was text, email, smoking guns, no way Kaepernick settles this case. No way. And there's not, so he does. We may never know the amount, but we've got a case with Colin Kaepernick that is now settled. I got to talk about the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. Again, encourage you to listen to my podcast. Last week or a couple weeks ago, Charlie Ebersole, the co-founder of the league. Very interesting comments about what they're trying to do different than the past XFL and maybe the future XFL, how they're very invested with the NFL and NFL royalty like Bill Polian, people involved, Mike Martz that are involved in the league. But it was never, ever an issue in that podcast with financing. It seemed like he had financing from all these different sources, which include... Uh, he made a real reference to Silicon Valley and tech, and you know, when you talk about Silicon Valley and tech, talking about tens of millions of dollars, you would think that would keep them afloat. But rumors come out that they're having trouble meeting payroll, and then, oh my God, a $250 million investment from the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes hockey team, who has sort of wrapped up any investment needs that AAF will have for the year, and all of a sudden he's chairman. So it's interesting to see that happen. They found someone highly, uh, with high, with substantial resources, with obviously incredible means. That really is floating the league. The question it begs is what the hell was going on before that? That payroll was an issue, and that's what we have to understand. I've said this before. My concern about the AAF compared to the future XFL is investors. You have investors, and that may have changed now with one investor, but that was the concern. You had investors from tech, you had former NFL executives, you had former NFL players, you had people in media investing, people in investment groups, private equity, and everybody's got different opinions on where the league should go. Now, they may have solved that with this one investor. It'll be interesting to see where he comes from, how he deals with these issues, because I'd like to see where that goes with the AAF. The ratings, the interest will never probably, in my mind, never be as strong as week one when everyone's like, this is a curiosity, it seems like good football, there's nothing else on, NFL ended, okay, that may change. Now, San Antonio's drawing like a a champ, but I don't know if others are. I think Arizona's having problems, we'll see what happens in Orlando, what about Salt Lake, what about Birmingham, are we going to have people go to these games, is it going to wear off, the novelty wears off. Are they going to live in the public mind on names like Christian Hackenberg and Trent Richardson? How will they get bigger names if they're not going to pay? So we'll see where all this goes. The single entity format, they're protected from antitrust law, and it just shows that all oh, these leagues trying, trying to form, are, it's a struggle. As we get towards XFL 2020, that's a different thing than we're talking about. Much more investment than $250 million from one investor, probably half a billion from Vince McMahon, WWE. So we'll see where that goes when we get to that. But certainly, XFL has money. They're paying Commissioner Oliver Luck a huge number to be their commissioner. So that's my rant about both Kaepernick and the AAF. Now another word from our sponsor, Podcast One Sportsnet. That's betonline.ag, February. It's got all the action. You got NBA, you got college basketball, you got NHL. We're almost near March Madness. Sign up today, free account, betonline.ag, use promo code PODCAST1, you get your 50% sign-up bonus today. What's out there? Well, you know, it's NBA, Bucks, Raptors, top of the East, but Philly's making a run. LeBron and Lakers, Denver, are they for real? College basketball, of course we have Duke, we have Virginia, we have Kentucky, both Michigans. We have NHL with Tampa, New York, Winnipeg, Calgary going atop their divisions. All of this action going on now. Use your mobile device, sign up for betonline.ag, use promo code PODCAST1, 50% sign-up bonus. Also try their in-game live betting app for all the fun action. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Another rant I have to talk about in light, I'm recording this on Thursday in light of Wednesday night's game, where Zion Williamson, the talk of the nation right now, is how he popped out of that Nike shoe and has hurt himself at this point undisclosed how long he'd be out, how bad a knee injury it is. We don't really know. That's going to be kept quiet. We'll see what happens. People are jumping to all kinds of conclusions. Let me clear up a couple things. First of all, you have to talk about the rule. And the rule in the NFL is three years removed from high school allows you eligibility to be drafted. In the NBA, the rule is one year removed from high school allows you to be eligible for the NBA draft. When things like this happen and sort of the, the immediate overreaction, the knee-jerkers come out as they did for Trevor Lawrence right after the NCAA football championship, and here it is after Zion, and what's he doing in, in college, not getting paid, and blah, blah. Listen, I'll say this very clearly. It's amazing how many people get this wrong, not only fans, but media and smart media. The eligibility rules coming out of the NCAA are not, N-O-T, not NCAA rules. They are NBA and NFL rules negotiated with the unions, with the unions. So the people ostensibly looking out for these players have decided they cannot enter the highest level of professional sports until a requisite minimum waiting period. Now, it used to be in basketball, as everyone knows, no waiting period. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James... Those are the guys coming out without any college. And it used to be that was changed. And it was changed through negotiations between the NBA Players Association and the NBA. Maybe the NBA wanted two years. Maybe the NBA wanted three years like the NFL. In terms of the NFL, it seems like that's been the rule for quite some time. And we used to wear the hardship. And now it's just early entry and we talk about redshirt sophomores coming out. So. Can it be challenged through the court? Sure. Take a chance. Become a plaintiff for two years and try to do that. Who's going to do that? Maurice Claret tried, gave up his eligibility at Ohio State, thought he won, won at the lower court level, then he lost. A judge named Sonia Sotomayor, you heard of her. She ruled for the NFL and their eligibility rules. So good luck challenging that. But let's be clear here. Whatever Zion's, you know, all the knee-jerkers that Zion should be in the NBA— And I won't even get into the pay-for-play model because that's another can of worms we're not going to enter right now. Here's my feeling. Zion Williamson, that's one issue. Okay, So just clearing up that these are eligibility rules of the leagues, not the NCAA. Now, the other part of the bargaining issue here is that when active players and owners negotiate, as they do with the NBA and the NFL, the last people they're worried about are incoming rookies. So what we saw in both, both of those CBA negotiations, 2011-2012, both had lockouts, both had work stoppages, is that you come out with drastically reduced rookie compensation, certainly in the NFL, where before the new CBA, Sam Bradford's making $670-$80 million on his rookie contract, and the first one, first top pick after the new CBA, Cam Newton's making $22, 21 22000000 million difference in money on the first pick in the draft. So, that happens. If you talk about all the issues that go on in a collective bargaining agreement, the easiest one to do, in my opinion, the easiest one is rookie compensation. And excuse my French, screw the rookies. The only people looking out for the rookies are agents. And no one cares about agents in collective bargaining. That is another staple of collective bargaining, agents trying to get their word in with the union and the union ignoring them. All those kind of things happen. seems like in every negotiation with NBA agents, NFL agents, Major League Baseball agents, hockey agents, always the case. So that's one thing on Zion Williamson. The other question is, should he sit out if it's not a season-ending injury? Listen, this goes to football cases. Like Nick Bosa, who may be the number one pick in the draft, he had an injury that I don't know, could have or could have not kept him at Ohio State, but he sat out and he started preparing for the draft. I'm torn. Whether Zion should do this if it's a quote-unquote non-season-ending injury, uh, we'll see. I mean, I just feel like some of this is overblown, you know, and then all the other people come out and say, oh my God, he's so underpaid, look what he's making for the university. You know, I tend to have a conservative viewpoint here. I tend to feel like people underestimate The value of a scholarship in basketball, especially Duke. You know, say Zion Williamson went straight from high school and got drafted by Orlando or Sacramento or Portland or New Orleans or whatever it is. We would hear a lot more about Zion Williamson like we do now at Duke, at Duke, than we would at those places. We would. Now, if he's drafted by the Knicks, that's a different story, but. That's just what happens. Duke Basketball is its own brand. Should they be paid? I don't know. Here's my I'm at Villanova. I run a program there. Villanova's got 23, 24, 25 varsity sports. One, one makes money, and not a lot of money. Men's basketball team that has won two of the three national championships makes a decent amount of money. Not the money a football program in, say, the ACC would make. That doesn't win. Think about that. So when I hear about paying college athletes, I'm like, okay, I'm at this. I'm at a blue blood school in college basketball, right there with Duke and North Carolina. Villanova's won two of the last three championships, and it would kind of put Villanova athletics way at a disadvantage because where's the money going to come from? Uh, Jay Wright's salary. Is that what you want to do? So listen, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But here's my rant. One, it's not, forget about the NCAA with these eligibility rules. It's the NBA, the union representing the players has agreed to this. The union representing NFL players agreed to this. As to whether Zion should sit out, sure, fine. If he does, fine. If he doesn't, fine. You know, if he has another injury after coming back, chances are he'll be fine by the time the NBA starts in November. But I don't know. I mean, again, to each his own. But let's lose the hysteria about the inequity of college sports because you step back and you look at each school having 20 sports and people focus on Duke basketball and they focus on Alabama football. You know, not these are the outliers. These are the outliers. So if you want to create a separate league for Duke and North Carolina basketball and five others and a separate league in in football, for Alabama, Ohio State, and 10 others. Great. Let them do whatever they want. Great. And then let college athletics be what it is. But but identify them as pros. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's my rant in light of this uh, Zion reaction today. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt podcast. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Brian Neal Appreciate all of you that follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt and give us good ratings at Apple Podcast Rankings. Your comments, your ratings are always appreciated. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft podcasts, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.